Welcome back to Slot Shop Podcast. I'm joined in studio with Ross. Alex, it's Alex's turn to head out of the office and take a vacation, so he is not with us this week, but we have got Ross back from Dublin. I'm sure he enjoyed his trip. I'm sure he's a little tired, but he's powering through and he's here for an exciting episode of Slot Shop Podcast, a hockey podcast. Ross, how's the world? How was the trip? Let us hear it. Yeah, you know, solid trip. I'll keep the you know, personal chitter-chatter to a minimum. Um, good trip, fun to see friends, long time to see. You know, you get older and older, and you see your friends less frequently and less frequently. So to get uh, yeah, six, seven of my buddies all together um, all at once in the name of uh, a pending nuptial, that was a really good time, and Dublin's a great town. I think anybody should visit. Yeah, without a doubt. What we did want to start off this week is we wanted to give uh, Ross a, a chance to kind of give his thoughts on, on last week's exciting episode of, of Binner going off the rails, a little banning of fighting in, in the Q, uh, the, the QMGHL, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, so, Ross, quickly, let's, uh, let's recap. And what, what did you miss last week? You know, just like all of our termites, I'm a diehard listener of the Slot Shot Pod. So when I didn't have a chance to participate, I was really eager to listen to uh, – Jack and the arm dog. And you know, it's been a trend, you know, obviously this whole magical Bruins season. Every time, Ross, how we doing? How you feeling? It's always, I'm on top of the world. Bruins are dominating. Everything's great. Well, let me just say today, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm getting nervous. Uh, it's been a tricky two weeks for me and my faith in uh, in the Bruins and, and ultimately the promised land. It's obviously Stanley Cup or bust. Um, and, of course, they're on another heater and they're still winning and getting their points. But we had Derek Forbert, um, who's been such a playoff player, such a shot blocker, um, part of the best penalty kill in the NHL. And with Derek Forbert on in the lineup, the Bruins' penalty kill is 88%. With Derek Forbert out of the lineup, the penalty kill is 76%. Um, so he is a huge, huge piece. And he took a shot off the foot last week and is in a is in a walking boot they're never going to tell you what's wrong but he's done now for the regular season and not expected to return until playoffs that makes me nervous another thing line combinations post-trade deadline classy problem to have right there's so much depth where do you put all the pieces they've got uh taylor hall out of the lineup nick felino out of the lineup i mentioned forbert they brought in the new d and they've been working on all these rotations I'm starting to get a little bit nervous about where these guys fit in when everybody comes back. You're bitching about a team that is on a what four four game winning streak five. Uh, they're again they're on pace right now. They're on pace right now. If they win nine out of the last twelve, they will break the record for best regular season. I'm I'm nervous. This is this is what Bruins fanhood is. It's getting nervous about impending doom. When when things look good, they're never as good as they seem. And so this makes me nervous. The line combos last night's game. I loved t- Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, um, we call him Freddie Trent Frederick on either wing of Charlie Coyle on the third line. They're the best line all night, um, and it was really exciting to see the three of them play together. You take a look up the lineup. You have the Czech line: Zaka, Krejci, and Pasternak. Then Bergeron, Marchand, and DeBrusque, who I think everybody knows I don't like, but he's playing unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So those top six aren't going to change. That third line, where does Taylor Hall go? Hall, Bertuzzi, Coyle? Who's going to shoot the fucking puck? Um, A little too much passing. 
Um, and then you know, you've got a bunch of good guys on the fourth line that is good to mix up, but that makes me a little bit nervous. Losing Forbert, that's a big deal. The last point is Olmark, mm-hmm. who's been incredible. He's going to run away with it. He's going to run away with the Vezina. Well, it's uh, uh, he's going to run away with it because the Bruins are doing what is is special. I do. I, I was listening to Thirty Two Thoughts earlier. The fact is, a guy by the name of Ilya Sorokin in New York and the Islanders has been phenomenal. Uh, but I do agree with you. Allmark is going to win it this year. But I do want to make sure we don't forget about Sorokin because he has been f- fantastic for an Islanders team that's trying to squeak in. So hats off to Sorokin. He'd probably win it any other year. Yeah, that's the point I'm making. But Allmark's winning, winning at like a 90% clip. He's something like in 35 starts, he's like 33-2. and two, All right? So like he's going to run away with it. But he's gotten a little shaky the last few games. Um, I heard his dog died. And rest in peace, his dog. Yeah, I get. I've lost a dog. I think yep. a lot of us and our yep. listeners have been through it. It's tough. But he's looked off since then. And meanwhile, Swayman's been playing unbelievable. I watched this game the other night. He gives up a dog shit, dog shit wraparound goal. Omar did or Omar did. Omar did. Yeah, you know, he goes on to stop thirty-seven to thirty-eight shots that night. But I was watching the game, and they were outside low percentage shots from from Ottawa that I thought were kind of just grindy, um, kind of stat much. Mm-hmm. So that makes me a little bit nervous because Omar, you know, it's easy to forget he's got no playoff pedigree. Um, he wasn't excellent in last year's postseason, and it's like the idea that the shine is starting to fade from mm-hmm. his net minding. It's just it just it makes any any appropriately nervous Bruins fan start to you know clinch their rosary beads. And uh, look back to all the franchise's problems in right. the past with finishing and, and ending up on top. So I get, I get what you're saying. I, I want to pose you a question. Unless do you have go ahead. No, 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 Do you have more on the Bruins or no? Those are my issues. It's it's Forbert um, line combinations. Oh, I didn't mention the same goes for the defensive pairings. Um, bringing in Orloff, mm-hmm. they, they've continued to have this kind of every other night. A guy's out. Well, now that Forbert's out, that's a little bit done. But you know. They're still figuring out who's going to play with who. And, again, it's a deep group. And these are classy problems. But these are all just, like, new little tweak variables yeah. that say to me, like, like I'm in my mind, as a, as a lifelong Bruins fan, certainly raised by one of the biggest cynical Bruins fans of all time, <laughs> um, you know, it's just these start to shoot holes in your little dream fantasy year. And this is about the time of year where I start, uh, quote-unquote, clinching the stick a little tight as a fan. So what what were you going to say? Oh, just to wrap up that point, when uh, when your team's on a heater like the Bruins have been, you try and find and pick and choose and find these little holes you can critique. I, I understand it. I see it. Uh, the last president's team to go on and win the Stanley Cup, the Chicago Blackhawks. Will we have a repeat of that in the Boston Bruins this year? We will see. But the question I was going to pose to you, the question I posed to Alex last week, we saw forward, Russian forward, Andrei Sveshnikov, done for the year with the ACL. Where do you see this affecting the Carolina Hurricanes? I love how you're going there because I'm so, I've got so many pent-up takes from listening. You guys, i got bullets on every topic you guys covered that I wanted to add to. Sveshnikov, is, that's my next bullet right here in the notes. Sveshnikov. It's like Rusty's preseason Stanley Cup final picks, like take another blow. Um, you know, the the... He's just, he's such a, a playoff player. He plays so hard. He's, he's like elite top-line skill player. But he brings power, meanness. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw it in the Bruins series. He knocked out, uh, he knocked out Lindholm. Yeah, with for, a brutal hit. <laughs> for like, he, Lindholm actually came back in the series, but he was not the same player. 
Um, he has the ability to change a series mm-hmm. like that with his body as much as his scoring acumen. So it not only adds a hole to their um, forward group, but it takes a, a bite of nastiness out of them that obviously yep. we know you always need as much as you can get come playoff. Mm-hmm. So that's concerning. But let me say this. I, I've watched a couple Canes games um, since Svechikov went down, and they've really been pulling it together. Um, they've really been kind of rallying themselves and persevering and sticking to their guns and playing that Rod the Bod style. Yep. Um, I, I, I almost feel like this Svechikov adversity to the forward group is something that can drive them a it's little like a bit lift, more. a little more of a motivation. Almost like every other guy. Like maybe some of the underperforming mm-hmm. guys on the score sheet, like Tara Vinen. Yep. Um, My picked like, clip for this team. Like so Ka- I'm asking he's got to step up. Like Kotkaniemi. Yep. Um, you know, some of these other guys are going to need to get the memo. Seth Jarvis step up like he did mm-hmm. last year in the postseason. So I think it's capable. I'm not really worried about their forward group. My concerns about the Canes, watch them a little bit, it's that decor. And it's not like the decor is not sick. The decor is sick. But they didn't do anything at deadline to address Calvin DeHaan. So you bring up Calvin, uh, a guy who was in Chicago for the last few years. Um, I think at this point, I I think he's probably past 30 years old. Um, A guy who's blocked a lot of shots in his career, played a lot of minutes. Do I see him as an effective five or four defensemen anymore? No, I think you see him as a seventh defenseman. Seventh, yeah. I think you see him as a seventh on this team. No, but he's a six for them. I know, I know, no, I know. I think, I think the reality is he's a seventh defenseman on a good team that has depth. That's just not the reality here in Carolina. But also, come playoffs, mm-hmm. what happens when you inevitably lose a defenseman? You lose basically. You lose. You lose. Like, I, I think general rule of thumb: come playoffs, you lose two defenseman games every seven. Not saying the same guy is going to go down, but like across your decor, every seven games, you're going to lose two games from that starting six. Um, and you know maybe that's a lot. Maybe it's more like one out of seven. But like if they're going to make a deep run, you know, it, like Dahan is just such an obvious weak link. I, I I think shame on them for not addressing that. Well, you got the one thing I will uh, correct you on. The one accusation they did have was Gossifier at the deadline, so they did bring in. An offensive defenseman. And Gossespierre has been good for the power play, but he doesn't relate at all to the hole in their lineup that is DeHaan. So right. like, if DeHaan is a problem, Gossespierre is not the solution. To that. No, no, no. I just want to make sure you, you, you realize they did. They did add, but not in the necessary. But, right. And, 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 and the Gossespierre, like, it's honestly really good. Like it, It's surprising. It's like, like Brent, yeah. Brent Burns has not been a good power play defenseman for them, despite like his skill set, which is kind of strange, but it just hasn't gelled well. And Gossespierre has been an immediate impact there. So I do think the Gossespierre move was good, but why couldn't they get like a Luke Shen? Why couldn't they get, um, you know, like a like a Carson Soucy? Why couldn't they get some of these? Um, I think you know, McCabe would have fit well with this team. McCabe, I mean, that's higher end a little bit, right? I'm, I'm, I'm even going further down the bargain, mm-hmm. the bargain basement. So it's just... These things are starting to bug me, and Svechikov just puts them more in the spotlight. And it's like you lose him, and like you know, he might add a couple goals that maybe Dahan will cough up. And now <laughs> you're counting on the group to maintain that, and you still have this Dahan size right. in the back end. So no, I get it. I get it. I think we'll we'll cover more Carolina Hurricanes hockey as we get inch closer to the playoffs, and as we get closer to our playoff preview here in the upcoming weeks. And I've got to just march on with my with my list here of notes. March on. We're not going to spend too much time on the Richie Brothers trade, oh. but I do need to spend a minute for our listeners, our, our loyal termites, and just sharing the 
folk hero that Nick Ritchie became in his brief tenure as a Bruin. So Nick Ritchie, for those that don't know, former first-round pick, big old boy. Um, I'd say he's tough. He's, he's undisputably tough. But his playing style is just so... It's like every time he steps on the ice or every time he did as a Bruin, it was like a slapstick comedy routine. Like, it looked like a Three Stooges sketch. And, like, the funniest shit would happen. Like, he would just go flying in on the forecheck and, like, run into his own teammate and fall down. Um, he scored, like, four goals in five games playing power play, just standing in front. Pucks would just go in off his fat ass. <laughs> hey, go to the front of the net. No, it was electric. It was, like, it was hilarious. And, like, like his stats were good, but you watch his eye test and it was like, how is this guy in the NHL? Um, and that that was just downright priceless to watch. So we nicknamed him Thick Richie, not Nick Richie, Thick Richie, D H I C C, because the guy looks. I mean, he looks. He looks like a he looks like a beer league player, and he looks like he crushes a six pack between intermissions. Um, and, uh, and like he would get into fights every now and again, and just like like he'd throw punches, like he could like hold his own, but he would just eat punches in the face, and right. just like not even flinch. And he had like he had the best like uh, uh, you know people say like resting you know resting bitch face or whatever he just had like re- he had like mouth breather like open mouth just like resting idiot face and it was like that it was like that South Park episode where Cartman tries to scam the Special Olympics and he puts on the bike helmet and like screws his hair up and like gets it all in his face so that he can look as like handicapped as possible. Nick Ritchie is that guy, and it was just. It was such a funny moment. So, in light of the of the Richie brothers um, being exchanged, I just wanted to share that uh, little a, li- a li- little bit of uh, on ice humor with. Well, with and, the and Nick Nick goes to Calgary, and Brett goes to Arizona, something like that. And and you know, it's like <sighs> Brett's like more of like a high energy. You watch mm-hmm. Brett like he's an athlete; he's in good shape. Like he he works hard; he moves his feet. Um, Nick is like, like I just described, he's, he's a blob and like, it's not like he's not trying, but he's just like, <laughs> he is what he is. Yeah. Um, both I, are seeing better minutes since the move. It's a little bit of a change, change of scenery for the Richie brothers. But it's less about the impact on the outcomes of games than it is about the enjoyment of just watching a shift or two and just going solo cam on, on thick <laughs> Nick Richie and just, I, I encourage anybody to just take a look at it and, and, and yeah. enjoy that. I agree. I agree. Um, keep it going. Keep it rolling. All right, next item. You guys got into all this cap talk about the business of the Coyotes. We did. We did. And, you know, I thought you really missed the mark. First of all, the, the value of retaining dead cap money, that's not a profitability play because you're spending just as much money out the door on these contracts to retire players. That money's still leaving your bottom line and going to Chris Pronger mm-hmm. and going to this Hall of Fame, you know, golf lineup that we joked about, which is funny. But it, that's not a business move. That's a rebuilding move. So when you take on those bad contracts, in exchange, you get extra draft capital. So that's what it's been for them. So it's about it's about hoarding picks and taking on um, bad money in exchange for teams' picks and draft assets and prospects. I, I, I understand that. I get that. And it's just it seemingly has been basically the last decade of hockey from this Arizona Coyotes. Yes, a few years of making the playoffs, but... I don't know when is when is the rebuild finally going to click into the gear where you're seeing it on the ice besides just Clayton Keller. Well, the night is darkest before the dawn, and it can't get much darker than it is. So I, I think starting next year they're going to try to become a good team. 
You would hope. You would hope. And you think, and you know, I know we got into a little bit of what the the future looks like for Tempe and and the Coyotes, building a new rink, building a, kind of a new entertainment facility in that area. I think it's a good thing if they're able to do it. I mean, as we talked about, you've seen the likes of an Austin Matthews come out of Arizona. You've seen the likes of a Tage Thompson come out of Arizona. You're talking about the state. Yeah. Right, but not their not not the Coyotes system. Well, I'm I'm more begging the question to make hockey more relevant in that area. I think that's that's I know that's a different side of what you want to talk about. I'm just I'm saying in the sense of things need to click for a franchise that was owned by the league for so long and has been helped by the league for so long. And Rusty's little pod notes were not related to that bit of it. I mean, I I, I I'm anti a team in Arizona. I am too at this point. At this point, that's that's what's so shocking. I mean, they're going to pour two point one billion dollars into this. The future of this team. I would, I would, I would, I would give a new team to literally any city that could support it in Canada. Uh, lastly, would be like another Greater Toronto team. Like mm-hmm. they talked about Hamilton. That's enough is enough. Like I don't think we need another Toronto team, but um, Quebec City, any of those others. I think that would be cool. Yeah. Um, don't know how it works out with like the geography and everything. Um, you know, Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee could be a cool could be a cool hockey town. Um, they've already got the Admirals there, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. That's another thought. Well, and the, Hawks, like, the Hawks and Wild played a, a game up in Milwaukee to start the year, and yeah. there was excitement there. Yeah, and, and like I don't know if Madison could support that. Um, I don't know. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a college town, is what I would say. Yeah. So again, like I'm not I'm not saying I have the solution to that, but I, I'd rather see it go to a hockey market that doesn't have an NHL. Team. Hey, quick props since you brought up Madison. The women's team for the Badgers won the uh, NCAA title for women's hockey, so just quick prompts to the Badgers. But yeah, no, I mean it was it was a it was a bit of a conversation of the state of Arizona. Uh, we were really impressed of what we've seen out of uh, Clayton Keller. I think he is you're seeing the confidence with the puck, the skill that all translated starting to slow down and, and be a game that it, he can kind of take over. So you're loving to see that out of Clayton, Clayton Keller. And my, my and my Yotes notes were limited to thick Nick Ritchie as a humor piece. Um and the 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 sort of program correction about the business side of things versus taking on bad taking on bad contracts does not make you any more profitable. Taking on bad contracts is purely about assets. That was the end of my Yotes notes because frankly, I don't want to spend another minute on the mm-hmm. Yotes all year. I get it, and that's why we did it when you were gone. <laughs> brilliant, is, brilliant. The fact Smart. is, there's Strategic. there's there's teams in this NHL that we we haven't covered all year, and the fact is, we felt Arizona deserved a little coverage. That's that's where it was. Let's move on. On to the Frenchies. On to the Frenchies. The Frenchies. What do you got with the Q? Those goddamn Quebecois. <laughs> right now, the state of fighting in the NHL, um, the state of fighting in the NHL where it is today, it is at the final point of existence where any further steps to limit it is an abolitionist movement. There is no other way to limit fighting beyond abolishing it based on where it is today. Yeah. The conversations that I know are going on at the GM meetings that a lot of hockey people consider to be a budding topic is about clean hits that turn into fights. Mm -hmm. My opinion on that, that, you know, I got this FOMO, you know, I don't have a take. I'm listening to the boys. I really wish I was there. I agree with the concerns. I disagree with the allocation of responsibility. In other words, the topic of fights after clean plays I think it's on every single coach to determine what his team's approach is going to be to big hits that are resulting in these fights. I think coaches should take charge of their locker room and establish a team rule, a team a, a team mentality 
that says, are we going to go after people after big clean hits on any player? And are we willing to kill that penalty after we do? And if we're not willing to go after them on a clean play, are we going to take a number and then we're going to you know, find a way to catch that guy up in the natural language of the game? And if we see a dirty hit, is that where we draw the line? So I just I think coaches really need to determine that because coaches are ultimately the ones responsible for the outcomes of the team, which means killing an extra penalty, which means dealing with any kind of supplemental discipline. And so I think each coach should have a better grip on how he wants his team to handle it. And I do think that if you pulled 32 coaches, you would get different you would get different thoughts about how to answer for this. But I think if you pulled players, you get the same thought, which is anybody hits any of your boys, go after them. Well, that's that the league instituted the uh, instigating fight, the minor penalty. So it's a two minute penalty if if a clean hit happens and your guy just throws the gloves and, and immediately starts a fight. That guy that that started it is going to end up giving them t- their team a uh, two minute penalty. Um, I think in if you look at it when uh, you know when Biz used to be in the league as as popular as he is in the hockey world or when the the fighters were, it, it was a coach. Coach looked at him. He said, you know. Find that guy, go line up next to him, let's drop the gloves. And that, that was when it was a little bit more controlled, and it wasn't like, all right, you know, that it was a clean, open ice hit. Our star had his head down, and he got his ass kicked. That's what a fight is now. And that, was, that wasn't what it used to be. It's, been, it's changed. Um, I think the Q's looking at, like you said, a safety thing, and the fact that they have some of their youngest players being 16 years of old age. The thing is, 16-year-olds 16 16 in major junior have been subject to the fighting rules as long as those leagues have been around. And guess mm-hmm. what? They're doing okay. And it, like it, it, the same stuff exists in those leagues that does in the NHL, which is you go after some underdeveloped 16-year-old that's just out there. First of all, there aren't that many of them. Um, and second of all, like the older guys on the team are there to back them up. Yep. So like that same dynamic that's in the NHL where you know Patrick Kane isn't going to drop the gloves with Ryan Reeves. Like th- th- that's like the physical mismatch mm-hmm. that there is that, that people act about young kids getting into fights, et cetera. And so I, I think the same dynamics of the players policing it and really coaches policing how they want to deal with it. I think the same thing goes for that. This whole Q thing about, about abolishing fighting in their league, the OHL's, what OHL said is that they're waiting until they see how Quebec really addresses it to make any ruling. And the dub said, we haven't, we don't plan on making any changes. I don't think dub really ever will, but think about the outcome of all this. If the Q decides to abolish it, now you have players coming out of the queue that haven't had to deal with fighting, and they're all trying to go to the NHL. And so those players, prospects and players that come out of the queue are now, they now need to be evaluated on a, on a curve because mm-hmm. they haven't experienced the same level of consequences for actions, the same responses, and now they are more defenseless in their next career. Like if you look at it like any other line of work, you're doing things to prepare for your next job. No, yeah, they're putting so, their step behind. They're immediately a step behind. Completely, and they're also, it's not just a step behind, it's also a safety concern mm-hmm. that they're behind because they don't know how to defend themselves. So I just think it's it's ridiculous, and it's just classic classic over-policing, over-government like, overstepping its bounds in Quebec, nothing new and different. Um, and it's just, to me, it's just, it's a scary development that we need to watch closely. Yeah. And um, I, I tell you, I'm just, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. Well, I, I think the whole hockey community is, and it, it'll be interesting to, to kind of see how the dominoes fall on this one. Uh, what else do you got on the recap? Uh, the rest of it? Oh, you know what? There's no way you don't have anything about Binner's World. So I need, oh, that's right. That's right. I skipped over Binner's World. Uh, on Binnington. It's Bennington. Mm-hmm. It's not Binghamton. Ah. 
It's not the town. It's not the town in New York where the Ottawa Senators uh, minor league affiliate lives. Bennington. 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 It's not Binghamton. It's Bennington. I, other than that, I think Armdog nailed it. Um, now I miss. I misplaced my termites, and so um, <laughs> my termite items will get to the termite yep. section. We'll cover that. But I, I left this out of. Um, now now I blew it. I left this out of my Canes breakdown um, because I was considering. Jalen Chatfield, uh, the fifth defenseman mm-hmm. on those Canes, uh, who plays with the Han sometimes. Sometimes they mix it up to protect the Han and Chatfield. Um, but yeah, he's not going to be my termite nominee. Um, but he's a guy that I, I, I noticed earlier in this year, not just because he's got this like gnarly long hair cabbage and he just looks like a pirate <laughs> out there uh, with like the you know gnarly like Bobby Clark teeth and like. His crazy, like, long hair, scraggly beard, um, and his just overall pirate rig. But he's a guy that's really caught my attention. He skates well. Um, he's about 6'1", and a little bit of change. He's got some reach. Um, he plays, I think, hard, tough, and smart. He plays within himself. And I, I was curious about him, so I looked him up uh, before kind of jotting down these notes. He's leading the team in plus-minus. He's a plus-20. Um, and I know that's sort of an outdated stat, but I did want to shout out Chatfield. Um, because I think he's he's a sign of hope for those uh, Carolina Hurricanes. And again, sorry, listeners, it's a little bit of a loop-de-loop of, right. uh, of topics right. here, but because um, I did find my termite notes. My termite notes are, are, are separate. So Chatfield, just add him to the list of not nominated termites. But, um, no, he's a guy that I, th- I think uh, not enough people are talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like he's a game-changer, but he's an effective uh, bottom-pairing guy that I think is going to have to be really important and definitely going to have to step mm-hmm. up, especially with – no help coming uh, yeah. at the deadline on that blue line. I gotcha, I gotcha. Moving on from uh, a little bit of a recap from last week's episode, we are we are proud to introduce uh, kind of something new that we we actually created it before this the pod. It is the mailbag, Rusty's mailbag. It's uh, something we're going to start hopefully in the next week. So if anyone's got something you feel like we've missed, something you feel like needs to be discussed on the top or on the pod, feel free to shoot us an email at slotshotpodcast at gmail and we'll try and cover it at next week's podcast. Anything on Rusty's mailbag? Slot Shot Pod. S L O T S H O T Podcast. At P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. We're all about listener engagement. We've talked about having some call ins. We haven't figured out the software completely on that front. Um, but I, we really want some more, uh, some more listener engagement. And um, I think uh, I think you know the mailbag, Rusty's mailbag, whatever we're gonna call it. Um, I think that could be a great new segment to to get some of our loyal listeners engaged. And you know we want to talk about what you want to talk about. So uh, yeah, I think we do a good job driving the agenda. But far be it from us to pretend like we don't miss anything on a week to week basis. So let us know. Drop us a shout. Um, you can you can provide some Monday morning quarterbacking mm-hmm. if you think you know we covered something but we kind of missed it. We didn't hit the nail on the head. Give us a correction. We'll consider it in the mailbag. Um, you see something when you're watching your games. Maybe you're gambling on prop bets. You got something hot. Um, shoot us an email. We we we, we love to uh, drive the engagement and uh, make this a two way street. So that's absolutely. All. I love it. I love it. Moving on from our future mailbag to the Dallas Stars, the team that's been uh, kind of leading the Western Conference all season long has taken a, a few strides in maybe not the right direction. They've allowed the defending Stanley Cup champions to tie them on points in the standings. 
the Dallas Stars. They made some moves at the deadline. They made some acquirements. They uh, they brought in Max Domi from Chicago. Um, what do you got on this uh, Dallas Stars team? So I've been big on Dallas all year, um, and yeah, that, that, that was my you know it was my Dallas Carolina Stanley Cup final, and you know they've slide is probably the wrong word, um, but you know the the division's gotten really competitive with Minnesota getting hot yep. after uh, Garen's kind of. I don't want to say weird, but like minor tweaks that were identity tweaks that added a little bit of skill. All of a sudden, you're seeing uh, Marcus Johansson Mojo making a real impact on the offensive side. Um, Boldy's really getting mm-hmm. going. I think he had a hat trick this week. Um, so Minnesota's driving right up on their heels. And out of the woodwork, the defending champ, Colorado Avalanche. Now they've been dormant all year. They haven't had Landeskog, their captain. McCarr's been in and out of the lineup. He's not playing again tonight against Pittsburgh. Um, and they're all sneaking up on Dallas. And honestly, I think it could be a really good thing for Dallas to to be forced to to maintain their lead in the division and get one of those wild card teams um, in the first round. Because that two three matchup, it's it's them, Minnesota, and Colorado that will. Like they're they're so neck and neck right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it could go in any order: three, two, one, one, two, three. Um, and so the difference between winning that division and playing either Seattle or and we'll get into the wild card race, but playing one of Seattle, Winnipeg, Calgary, Nashville. I think that's a great, great, great first round that you can maybe sneak out in five games. Compare that to playing Minnesota or Colorado, nightmare. Um, so, you know, I, I think you get bounced in the first round. If you finish, you finish two, Colorado finishes three, here you are, you know, you've had this great season all year and it all could be for naught because you have to go up against, uh, the, these, these, these avalanche mm-hmm. right away, right out of the gates. And we don't know, will Landis Gog be back? Maybe, um, they're just so dangerous. So it's, um, it's concerning for them, but they had a great game, uh, last night against the Seattle Kraken as, as Ironic as it is that here we are kind of going loop-de-loop. But you got the Kraken, who have, I don't want to say fallen on hard times. I'll just say sort of retreated a little bit mm-hmm. to the mean. Um, and they're going to be a playoff team. There's no question. Uh, but they've now been bounced out of their Pacific Division 1-2-3. And they look like they're probably going to be in that wild card mix. And so there was a real playoff environment in that game. <coughs> Excuse me. Oof. And so... Um, this game, I, I really mostly caught the third period, um, but Dallas was down 4-2. They battled back with about five and a half minutes left to make it 4-3. Goal gets waved off for goal interference. Probably the right call. I was impressed with the speed of the resolution. <laughs> it only took about 90 seconds, which it should never take more than. So that's a big momentum swing. In Dallas, you score the goal to make it a one-goal game. Everybody's excited. Now all of a sudden it comes off the board. Um, if they had won that challenge, they would not only be within one goal, but they'd be on the power play. Um, and so what does Dallas do? They don't panic. They lean on their veterans, and they freaking pressure. And they get down there. They pull the goalie with about three minutes left, uh, down to Joe Pavelski, gets them right back to that 4-3. Building's going nuts. Um they continue pressuring. They're fighting off Seattle. They're just completely hemming him in their own zone. Miro Heiskinen, who Carlson's going to win the Norris, but Heiskinen, I mean, he's going to be part of this for a long time. Oh, yeah. 
That's why they picked him. Just dominating pace of play, getting the puck to Robertson, in and out of their zone. It felt like it felt like Seattle, it, like it, it was the classic ice is tilted. Like Seattle, it was impossible to get it out of their own zone. And in Dallas, would just constantly walk it out and they'd just be playing from the red line in. Um, total pressure, Jamie Benn, um, Dodonov making huge passes. Dodonov comes on the ice as the sixth attacker with like now 55 seconds left or so. Comes right in, makes a great feed, good save. They survive. Blah, blah, blah. Long story short, total mashup in front. Um, Jamie Benn puts home the game time goal with less than a second left. And they ended up losing in like in, in the overtime, but they got their point, mm-hmm. which is really critical, like I mentioned, the importance of, of, of maintaining their spot there. Um, it was just a great battle from them that showed to me two things. Their mix of veteran and youth mm-hmm. is the right mix for a cup team. Wyatt Johnston, um, we talked about him. He led all of the Canadian major juniors last year in points. Um, he's something like 20 years old. He scored his 20th goal of the, goal of the season. Um, he's really come on. He's got like nine goals his last 15 games, uh, playing big minutes for them. They've got great depth down the middle with Sagan and Ben and the impact of them coming back and being themselves again. Well, ben so scored his 30th. Sagan, was he back last night? Sagan was not back last night, but he's been back this season. And, and they're hoping back. Yeah, they're, Sagan, this, the quick update on Sagan, he, he was cut by a skate, I think, in the leg. Uh, it's been about a week, maybe maybe two at this point, but he is listed as day-to-day. The other big injury for this team is Mason Marchment. He's out for about the next three to four, so maybe get him back in that first round of the playoffs, but continue. And just Well, just like the guys they have, Roddick Foxa mm-hmm. wins face-offs, hard checker, great penalty killer. Luke, Luke Glendening wins face-offs, hard player to play against, in the right position, moves his feet, not a liability at all whatsoever. Like, just the depth down mm-hmm. and around. And getting Marchman back, getting Sagan back. Um, Ryan Suter, you know, a, a guy that uh, you know we, we've talked a little bit about. But I think you know, at this point in his career, when he was a free agent, I, I was, I was kind of interested in him becoming a Bruin. When I saw the deal he did in Dallas, I didn't like the term. He got four years, which I think three years from now, he might not be so great. But right now, he's in a position on this team where the minutes he's playing are just so much more manageable. Mm-hmm. And he's such a reliable guy to have. Um, and it, I just, that decor, you know, with uh, Heskinen and Miller, they've got Hockenpah and uh, Lindell, and they've got Suter and Lindgren. Um, or, and sorry, Lundquist, Lundquist, who's another kind of steady Eddie, Swedish, smooth-moving um, nothing flashy, but keeps it simple. Good position, mm-hmm. good feet, good hands. Like it's just, it's a, it's a really good, strong team. And I heard the stat last night is that they're one of the best six on five teams in the league. So when they pull the goalie in, the, in a gotta have it situation, um, they bring it. And it goes, it all goes back to Joe Pavelski for me. I mean, Joe Pavelski, Jamie Ben, those are the guys you want crashing the crease. Six players on the ice, mm-hmm. gotta have it. Prison rules in front of the net. <laughs> They'll fight through it. They'll find the puck. Um, so it's no surprise to me that they're a great empty net team. And um, you know, like like the points are what they are, and we'll see where they finish. But I, I'm still confident in that club. I really am. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I I like it. I think uh, this Dallas team has your Stanley Cup final pick. Uh, do, the, do you have the Hurricanes winning, or do you have Dallas winning? You remember? I forget. I think I had the Canes. Um, I, I I see them still. Like it's still a, a very challenging team. The 
to beat coming out of the West, and uh, you like the fact that the rest of the Central is coming alive. It makes a little bit more of what has been an Eastern dominant league a little bit more neutral in the sense of finally we can watch a, an entertaining battle in the West. Not saying it hasn't been entertaining, but it's been a little bit more boring than the East. I think we can both agree on. Um, but no, it, it'll be interesting to track how the Dallas Stars chase down the remainder of their schedule and, and if they can win the uh, the Western Conference uh, number one seed and, and if they are able to win the Central Division from the, the Stanley Cup champs, the Colorado Avalanche and Bill Guerin's Minnesota Wild. Because if they, if they win the Central and the Central and they end up being the, the number two overall, right? Mm-hmm. If they win the Central but have a worse record than whoever wins the Pacific. Vegas, I think. It, 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 it's it's equally it's a similar race. It's Las Vegas, yeah. L.A., and Edmonton. And they're all pretty close, too. Um, but my point is, if, if they end up as the number two overall seed in the West, winning the division, they might play the Kraken in the yep, first that's round. Yep, that's what's slated versus and, Winnipeg. Yeah, um, and I kind of like that. I honestly, I'd rather play the Kraken than the, than the Peggers. I kind of agree. I don't know. Winnipeg to me is, is kind of what we're going to get into the wild card race. Yep. But my point is that being a playoff preview, um, I just think that's huge. And avoiding a Minnesota or a Colorado early is is just so important. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, something we'll we'll keep track as 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 we continue. Like I said, with uh, with some of the intro recap. Excuse me. Um, we will track this as as we get closer to the Stanley Cup Finals. Dallas fans, if you feel like we've missed anything, perfect uh, perfect topic to throw into the mailbag. Uh, moving on, as Ross hinted at the wild card races, and it's getting competitive. Eh, competitive. Let's let's put it at that for now. Let's take a look at the Eastern Conference division so far. Right now, it's a three uh, three point battle between the New York Islanders and the Florida Panthers, and close close behind a struggling. Pittsburgh Penguins team that has seemingly lost both of their uh, assets at the deadline to uh, long-term injury. Uh, what do you got on this Eastern Conference wildcard race between these three teams? So, you know, it was not so subtle of a slot shot team take that I think, you know, a couple of weeks ago we were all rooting for the for the Sens and mm-hmm. the Sabres to get in. Um, Things from have a, changed. From a, pure, from a pure, like, let's see the kids get them in there. Let's see a little change. Let's see some change. Let's yeah, exactly. And like, well, let's see some new blood. See how they react to a playoff environment. They played themselves out of it. So now it's it's a three team race, and it's three more vet, more veteran teams, which yep. adds up with my preseason picks. Um, it's going to be the Islanders, the Panthers, and the Penguins. Two of the three are going to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, now Pittsburgh's reeling right now. Um, they're having a really just just a tough time. Um, their defense has just been brutal, and they've been dealt with some injuries. I still can't believe they let John Marino go. Um, I think I think John Marino is one player that helps you understand the mix-up in that division between New Jersey and Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, what uh, I'm talking about, like kind of zero sum, right? Somebody wins, somebody loses. The fact that in one division you have a player like that go and play such an important role in New Jersey, yep. and then Pittsburgh is struggling to fill that second, third defenseman role. Um, that's pretty scary. And so, you know, the, with the Pens, you know, you've got Crosby, who's bringing it yet again on pace for yet another 100-point season. I mean, you, like, I, obviously I hated I hated Crosby when he came to the league. Mm-hmm. Like, I got whiny, complaining. No, he's taking, this, he's taking the steps to be respectful. <laughs> I mean, he's just, he's won all respect at all. Yeah. All the respect that could possibly exist. Um, and so he's just, he's going to just drag him. He's going to drag him. 
and can he drag them past the Islanders um, and and this now resurgent Panthers team? You know, Florida's struggled with their mm-hmm. goaltending. Um, they've struggled with you know health and consistency and just blowing leads and just all up to their all their old tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, Florida as a team, right? They won the Presidents Trophy last year. A lot of people forget, and they've really. Got, kind of a 180. But they've got so much more talent than um, what their production, you know, up until a few mm-hmm. weeks ago has shown. So they're starting to hit their stride, and there are elements of their kind of lot roster that I really do like. They've got some serious salary cap issues that have kind of settled, you know, earlier in the year, right? You remember the first couple of weeks they had to play short because mm-hmm. they just they, they they couldn't roster money certain. work. Yep, exactly. Um, but now they've got you know Barkov coming back and back into his own, like playing more kind of Sasha Barkov hockey, um, which is one of the most important players mm-hmm. in the whole league. Guy can just completely take over. They still don't have Duclair back. Um, he might be a candidate for a, a Kucherov performance, where he skips a regular season and is back for postseason. That was a thirty goal guy, a speed threat, um, really valuable player. Yep. Carter Verhage, dangerous, always dangerous. And Matthew Kachuk, who, if Connor McDavid, you know, were hit by a bus this year, you know, three months ago, I think we'd be talking about Matthew Kachuk winning the Hart Trophy. Um, he has been just incredible. Um, and the, the, the way he plays, he plays so hard all the time, tremendous skill. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy. You know, he uses his physical. He does a little bit of the rat, the rat thing. But you know, he's really contained it, and he hasn't let like the rat get get in the way of his elite offensive uh, ability. And another thing with Kachuk that I've started to see with a few of these kind of new, ridiculously skilled players um, is he's so skilled and he's so smart from two hundred feet that he has the confidence to use his skills for. Like trick plays that were previously considered only like hot dog showboating <laughs> scenarios, and yeah. so the other night he's got the puck inside his own blue line in his own defensive slot, where he could turn the puck over and give the other team a Great slot eight. shot, <laughs> and he's got two Philadelphia Flyers bearing down on him. One, um, one coming down his like back right elbow, and the other coming down in the passing lane of his backhand. And he very calmly takes the puck with two four-checkers bearing down on him inside his own blue line, puts the puck between his legs, and launches a between-the-legs saucer pass right between the goalposts of these two rushing penguins to serve Montour on the rush uh, into the offensive zone to you know, get a shot attempt off. Incredible. And, like, not showboaty at all. That was an effective, pragmatic mm-hmm. play. And just the fact that he has the skill and the confidence to do that Showing up night after night on a 110-point pace. I mean, this guy's the real deal. I, I've been Absolutely. really impressed. You're seeing the development. That, you know, yeah, he's been in the league for, for quite a few years at this point now. But, uh, no, he is he's taking those steps to become uh, a little bit less pesky, a little bit more of, of what, uh, what you were hoping he would take in Calgary. And then you saw him move from Calgary to Florida and kind of a surprise uh, trade in the summer. But, no, I think uh, Matthew Kachuk, it's an interesting comment. I, I think – that's a take that uh, if if Connor McDavid wasn't here and and uh, that that heart was up for grabs, that's that's a trophy he may easily be able to win. I, I think that's a an interesting 
thing to look at. What else uh, do you got on the Panthers? Well, a bit, you know, a big part of me thought a lot of Kachuk's production, specifically last year in Calgary, you know, I thought a lot of that was a, was a byproduct of playing with Goudreau and mm-hmm. with Lindholm, and all three of them had career years. Um, and it was it, it, it was kind of hard to identify who's driving that line when you watch them because they played so well together. Yep. Felt to me like, you know, he was traded maybe at the height of his production and capabilities. And I think he's shown pretty darn well this year that he's a straw that stirs the drink. You know, he 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 he's the driver. Um, so I just can't say enough good things about uh, what he's done. And the other the other big thing on the Panthers that you know it's it's beating a dead horse, but the consistency and health of Aaron Ekblad. That's the difference between them being a really dangerous team you don't want to play, and you know first round walkover. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and the goaltending, yep. where they need Bobrovsky to just, you know, figure it out and turn into a spoiler like he was years ago against those uh, against those Lightning. Oh, so, it's it's been tough. I mean, Bobrovsky lost his uh, his his backup in Spencer Knight to um, some some issues that he's going and working through um, through the player uh, help program, and you know, hopefully he takes those steps to regain the potential he had at BC. Uh, but no, Bob has to stand on his head for this Panthers team, and and then you look at who's right ahead of them. It's a team that's really built, seemingly for the playoffs in the New York Islanders. Maybe not necessarily a a, a regular season roster, but a team that like like you kind of said, if uh, Boston doesn't want to see New York in the first round, I think um, potentially if you see Carolina, Carolina Islanders, that's a hell of a first series. In the first round, and I, that I that give me some goosebumps to watch because I I could easily see that going seven, and I could easily see them beating the living shit out of each other. Yeah, I mean, from a from a Bruins fans perspective, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Islanders are the last team I'd want to face in the one versus eight, um, and the idea of the Islanders doing damage against the Canes from a Bruins perspective it was what you perfectly could ideal. ask for. It's ideal, um, or the Devils, right? The the Canes and the Devils are right there neck and neck, but um. My, my my point is on the Islanders, they just have such a termite lineup. Like, obviously Barzal wows, um, but their decor is just a lot of consistent players, all six. You, they don't have that stud, no-brainer, go-for-it mm-hmm. defenseman that a lot of people say you need to win it all. But they've got a lot of guys that are in that next tier. They've got a lot of, like, they probably have four elite number three defensemen, right? Pellick. Pulak, Dobson, um, you know, that's a uh, that's a really consistent group, um, and up front it's just it's just relentless. I mean they've got thirty something checkers with playoff experience that find a way to score twenty goals after guy after guy after guy. Right, Palmieri, um, they've got Parise who's got twenty goals again. They've got uh, Anders Lee. Um, they've got uh, Josh Bailey, a little bit more of an Apple guy than a goal scorer, but again, veterans know what they're Our doing. always favorite, Cal Clutterbuck. What's that? Our always favorite, Cal. Oh, I mean, not to mention, right, the identity line, right? That 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 just absolute absolute colony of a, of a, of a fourth <laughs> line. Um, but and then obviously Horvat, right? Who, yeah. He's gone through some scoring dip uh, recently and hasn't been on the score sheet, but a lot of people forget. He led the NHL in goals, I think, all the way up after being eliminated in the second round. All the way, all he, they only played seven games the first round. I think he had eight goals, and so he was like the playoff leader in goals through I think two rounds, even though he only played one. 
Um, so look out for him, and he's also winning faceoffs and adding mm-hmm. value in ways that don't affect the score sheet. So, you know, th- they're a scary team. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I we, think, sorry. No, what I was just going to say was, with the pens and with some of the wheels falling off the, you know, falling off the the cart there. You know, I just had the thought. I, I was listening to kind of chicklets about how things are going and what, what's going around there. And, you know, Colby Armstrong's guy, the original arm dog, right? Sort of the inspiration for our, our arm dog. Um, and, you know, he, he, he works for the team and he covers them regularly. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like a broadcaster on their local network. And, you know, his point was like, they're just struggling. Like, they just, they can't, they're struggling on D, they're yep. losing the depth. They've got old guys up front that they're relying on too much. Like they, they, there's just a little lack of a something there with an older team and a lot of experience. And one of the things that stood out to me is Mike Sullivan, two-time Stanley Cup coach, big extension. He's been there now for six or seven years, and I'm getting a little bit of shades of you know the end of the Claude Julian era in Boston, where it's not because you're a bad coach; it's just that. Time Quinville, you know, it's it's it happens. The life cycle of an NHL coach, it happens. It doesn't always make sense, but at a certain point, it just kind of runs out, um, and it's starting to feel like that could be the story for the Penguins this year. I also our our our, our buddy Chad um, <laughs> got a, fired a couple drinks into him and made a made a made a bet with him that if the Pens play the Bruins in the first round, I give him ten to one odds the Bruins will win. I mean, I think that's that's fair. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, so. I'm rooting for the Pens to get in as that eight because that would be a, an easy hundred bucks in my pocket, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not worried about the G spot down the down down the down the drain. I, I just zero point zero worries. And they also like goaltending's been a mess. Um, so it's just at every level, right? You've got aging forward group. They've got depth affecting their defense, and they've got a goalie carousel where even when Jerry's been in and healthy, he hasn't been himself. And then DeSmith, yeah, it's it's just it's just it's a mess. It is. It is. <laughs> so and, I, uh, I mean, I, I think it's going to be Isles and Panthers, and and I'd rather it be Penguins and Panthers. Um, so, or I mean. I know. Yeah, no, but fuck you. Honestly, let's see the better teams in the playoffs. I know you'd rather have the the softer road to the path. That's the the thing is, though, Jack, there is no soft. I know there isn't. I know there isn't. But I would say if if the Bruins find themselves in a series with the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round, that is, that's position A, A plus. Couldn't agree more. Uh, moving on to the Western Conference, a little bit of a less of a race in that sense between the Kraken, the Peggers, the Winnipeg Jets, and potentially the uh, it's it's a tough scene over in Calgary with the Flames, a team that now sits, I believe, four points out of a wild card spot. What do you got on this Western Conference yeah, wild card race? So the big thing to look at is it, it's it's not standings, it's points percentage. Yep. Because um, some teams have two or three games in hand, which really really impact like the like like what the battle is. So Seattle's really not in the mix for the wild card. Seattle is battling to get into the third seed for the Pacific. Um, so that top wild card spot is going to be the fourth Pacific team. That's a lock. So yes. so Seattle's on the heels of Edmonton. They're three points behind with a game in, uh, game in hand. Exactly. And so, and, so, and so Seattle, Edmonton, it'll be one of those two that is the, the first wild card. It's really three teams competing for one spot as the second wild card. It's Winnipeg, Calgary, and Nashville, if you can believe that. Nashville is actually better point percentage than Calgary because they have three in hand. So... 
you know, Nashville's been an interesting team. I've watched a little bit of them lately, and it's know, been weird. I mean, the the Predators they they kind of they unloaded a little bit at the deadline. They uh, they obviously got rid of our, our favorite Tanner Janot, uh, David Poole turning over uh, Poyle. Poyle, thank you. Uh, finally, saying goodbye to the franchise he he uh, helped from from the beginning. Um, so it's a little bit of a changing of guards in Nashville. It was a team that. That really didn't feel like at the deadline they would still be in this race. Somehow they have found themselves still in it. Um, having, like you said, the three games in hand versus uh, um, Winnipeg, it's a little bit of a scarier scarier fight if you're the Peggers. But I don't know. I, I just I don't have the faith in that, that Nashville team. I think um, you look at the Calgary Flames, you know, I think they've just – it's been a disaster. I was listening to something about Kadri. You know, I think a guy who – um, has seemingly been pretty outspoken about what his thoughts and feelings are. And it just seems like it's a huge disconnect in that Flames locker room. And that's why, I mean, I agree with you. I do think um, it's a real battle between that third and fourth spot team in the in the Pacific. Um, but I, I don't see the Peggers finding themselves on the on the way out in this uh, wild card hunt. But we're here to discuss it. Well, the thing about Nashville, right, they, they, they sent Granlund to, to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Really needs a turn on for Pitt. Uh, Nito Niederreiter, right? He's in the in the division to Winnipeg. Ekholm to the Oilers. Genoa, obviously. Ekholm looks sick in Edmonton. Je- I know. Genoa to the uh, to, to the Lightning. So they've really mixed things up, but they've started to get some production from some of these, like like this secondary score, mm-hmm. which has been a challenge for Nashville for years now. So it's really weird. It's like they they, they moved out all these guys that that were important role players for them, um, and. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, they're getting some they're getting some secondary scoring out of like some random sources and guys that I've like never really super heard of. Um, this guy Th- Thomas Novak, he wears number eighty two. He's been around for a little bit. I, I, I saw him when I, like he hit a couple of like big like odd man rush goals where he just looked like a pro, just confidence bearing a shot, um, confidence making a pass on a two on one to set up the other guy who scored. Um, they're getting some some uh, scoring out of this. Philip Tomasino, uh, Tomasino, I noticed in one of their playoff runs relatively recently. Still a young player, but 13 points in 18 games because he's been up and down. Um, and and they, they're just they're just scrapping it together with a different mix. And it's just it's very funny how it's not that dissimilar to what's going on with the Wild post deadline, where they sold off some pieces, they brought in some changes. And there's just a new mix. I'm just saying, don't sleep on the Predators pesking their way into one of these spots with random youth movement. Maybe Soros figures it out. But the problem is, that I don't know. I don't know what the the timetable is. But I do think they just recently lost Roman Yossi uh, to an injury. So I think that hurts. Uh, I mean that that it's an overstatement of how much that hurts. But I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. I think it's it's a team that has nothing to lose because you know they're not in the fight for a lottery spot. I think that's another piece of why they're playing the way that they're playing. Yeah, I mean all the pressure's off. Now. And they they saw you know their their GM at the deadline kind of said, all right, well we're gonna move the pieces we feel like we can move. We can capitalize on some value coming back our way. Let's set the organization up for for the future. The players probably took that as, oh, all right. I don't know if our GM believes that we could make a run into this eighth seed. I don't know. I, I like it. I, I, I agree with you. I, nothing to lose for this Nashville team. Uh, but I, I truly do see um, the Peggers as the eighth seed, and I see one of those Pacific, if it's Edmonton or, or the crack attack at that uh, seventh seed in the wild card. 
Yeah, I, I'm just saying, Winnipeg, I've been down on them all year. Um, it's because you're worried your ass is about to be slapped in the face. No, that's that's confirmed and going to happen whether they make the playoffs or not. They're going to finish out of the St. Louis Blues, that's a guarantee. But um, I, I just, their decor, like it's 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 just, it ain't good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it, just, it's not, it's it, just not good enough. It's helpful when you got a guy by the name of Connor Hellebuck in there. It's true. It's true. It's true. But but who's to say Soros can't find himself and be a better goalie than Hellebuck the rest of the way? That that's fair. That's fair. It's a, it's a race to watch. It's a race we'll we'll keep our eyes on. And as we continue towards our playoff preview here in the upcoming weeks and said playoffs coming here soon, we cannot wait. Oh, we're chomping at the bit for some playoff hockey. I can tell you that. Uh, but we'll see what happens here as we track to the finish of the regular season with the wild card races. Quickly before we move on to our weekly topics, let's talk about a guy who won a cup in Colorado. David Bednar receives a deal. Jared Bednar. Jared, Jesus, Jack. It's it's. Uh, I'm I'm sick. I'm battling off a cold. So apologies. It's the brain's turned off here on here today. But uh, Jared Bednar, a, a guy who was able to to make uh, make this Colorado roster click and find them find their way to the promised land. He's receiving a deal through the 26-27 season to stick as the Colorado Avalanche coach. Yeah, I mean, three-year deal. Um, don't right? know the numbers. I don't know yeah, the numbers. Yeah, no, I mean, coach compensations. It's not a salary cap topic, so what do we care? It's not our money. Um, you know, they, they won a cup last year, and this year they've battled injuries, and now we see they're still pressing and might still – um, My pick up, to win the Stanley up, Cup. So exactly. fucking eight rights, they're still in it. Exactly. Um, so uh, I mean, I think he's a great coach. I think the players love him. I think the st- like the, their star core really believes in him. Um, and the uh, it's just like it's like the message, the timing. Uh, their roster got to a point at a really good point for Bednar, where he was able to kind of be with them in the bad times, grow with them through the okay times, and then break through last year. And I do think they have a chance to really be the team to be in the mm-hmm. same sense that Tampa has for the next few years. I just want to stress a three-year deal. Keep an eye on years, the end of year two and three, right? So three years means starting next year, year next year's yep. year one. 25, 26 would be year years three. So that'll be up around the six, seven years he's been with them. So that always makes me nervous, going back to the Mike Sullivan thing, going back to the old... Claude Julien stuff like the the shelf yeah. life it's always a risk. Well, it's it's I, I just I, like I get it. He's earned it. Um, I'm just I, I would always if I were a GM I would always want to keep my coaches on a kind of two year basis. I, I, I agree with that. I think that's a, a fair point. I, it's it's a team though that is built and set up to potentially take over from the Tampa Bay Lightning. They lost obviously in the offseason in, in some pieces, but when you've got a, a Nathan McKinnon and a Kale McCarr. You are set. And Amico Rontanen, who's on his way to 50 goals this year. Set for the next five to ten years. It's just as long as those players are in those Avalanche uniforms, you're set. And uh, just to quickly give a give a quote from the legendary Joe Sackick, Jared has done a tremendous job on the bench and certainly deserves this extension and to continue as the leader of our team. Jared Bednar, three-year extension to stay as the head coach of the uh, the Colorado Avalanche. And David Bednar, wherever you are, maybe you got a contract. David Bednar, too. you know who David Bednar is? Who's David Bednar? He was on that Mississippi State Championship baseball team oh that we watched. And, uh, a story for another day. Uh, but, no, moving on. Uh, hey, last shout out David Bednar, too, wherever you were. Probably playing farm league for, like, the single A. <laughs> oh, no, that's funny. Moving on to uh, Termite of the Week, the Woodshed. Woo! 
Last week's uh, pick was, was yours truly, Keegan Colasar. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Ross had to uh, to say about last week's pick. There was no pressure knowing Ross wasn't in the building. He was out of the state. And it was just, I felt cool, calm, and collected. And I think I delivered, but I'm intrigued to see what Ross has got in store for uh, Terminator of the Week and what his thoughts are of last week's. So i got to tip my hat to you, Jack. All right, um, I'm a bit of a salesman. Rule number one in sales Know your audience. Sometimes that is KYA. You got no Rusty in the building. It's you and the arm dog. Stick with size. So you knew your audience. You played it off. But you both just don't really get it. You don't really get it, do you, boy? Two things. Number one, I like Colasar. I like Colasar a lot. I think he's a really valuable bottom six. He can sneak onto your third line. His game is not that dissimilar from... Um, for our Bruins fan listeners, Trent Frederick, um, a possession guy, is a little bit less of a psychopath like than Frederick. Mm-hmm. Frederick could, you know, shoot up a school someday. Um, <laughs> let's, let's let's stay away from that. <laughs> stay away from that. <laughs> but, he, he has some issues. Yes, I, I get I get what you're saying. Sorry, uh, could start a bench clearing brawl yes, and get a yes, suspension. Yes, yes, yes. Whereas Coolstar, like, he's got a little bitter in him. Well, Coolstar's cool got you know he's got a decently sized bag of knuckles mm-hmm. um, and a, and a good heart, but. You know, he's not a league heavyweight or anything. Um, and yeah, he, yeah. Well, he's not there to fight. He's there to play possession hockey, to not be a liability, to be responsible, to have good possessions in the ozone, use that big frame and protect the puck and cycle the puck and allow your bottom six lines to um, to stay in the ozone and, and, and force the other team be to effective. defend while he's on the ice. It's not about point production. It's about kind of zone. It's about it's about like field position. Uh, thank you, brother. Uh, it's about field position, right? So, good player, valuable player, I like him. But the termites, the termites are based on Miles Wood. Miles Wood is about velocity. He's about kamikaze chaos, in the words of legendary Devils color announcer and three-time Stanley Cup champion Ken Danico. Kamikaze chaos. In no way would I describe Keegan Kulisar's game as kamikaze chaos. He's steady. He skates fine, but he's not fast. Um, he, he he doesn't go flying into the boards, ass over tea kettle, often. Um, and I'm, through an illustrative act of educating the pod, I'm going to stick with the Golden Knights. I'm going to show you the termite that you should have picked last week. Okay. Okay. She's a guy by the name of Paul Cotter. C-O-T-T-E-R. Has he been picked this year? Cotter the Otter. Okay. Fourth round draft pick. Circa 6'2", circa 200 pounds. Good size. But moves his feet really fast. Um, Really more of a checker. But he goes berserk out there. I really liked what I saw from him in the two Bruins games against uh, against uh, Vegas. Uh, I've watched a decent amount of the Knights this year just because they're they've been a good team, and when they play a good team, I've tuned in. Um, obviously, we've mm-hmm. talked a lot about Eichel and the other Knights and everything, but um, Paul Cotter, I've just he's been he's been a great resource for them as uh, providing some secondary scoring. He's in the neighborhood of like twelve goals, something like eighteen points on the year. Um, something like a minus five, you know, those are termite <laughs> numbers, all right? That is termite production. So, Paul Cotter, that's my termite nominee, 
and a little bit of uh, you know looking down the nose uh, from the ivory tower on the on the whole termite criteria. A little a, a little bit of a lesson plan here from uh, Uncle Rusty after missing a week. <laughs> this is what we get. <clears throat> this is why you can't leave us for a week. You know, this is exactly the reason you can't take vacation time that that isn't allowed allotted at this point. But uh, no, it's interesting. Let me ask you this question: Trev, Trevor Frederick, not a termite. Trent Frederick. Trent. Ah, no. I he again. He's a bottom six player. I really like Freddie's game, um, but you know, frankly, there are like, like, um, AJ Greer is mm-hmm. a Bruin on the fourth line. That's been that's gonna now be in and out of the lineup after the deadline. A little bit more of a termite style. Moves his feet more. Goes flying ass over tea kettle more. Um, was he relegated because of Hathaway, most likely? Yeah, Hathaway. There's yeah. a termite. All right. I mean, the, like those are guys. That, He's been picked. Garnett's been picked. I think. I, I know. I, I know. But my 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 point is, um, Trent Frederick is he a termite? Yeah, he's termitey. He's more termitey than Colasar. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Um, okay. But you know, he's not. He's not. He's not at the. He's not at the cutting edge of of, of, of termite. With this being, I, I believe this is uh, Keegan Colasar's first year. I'm gonna say let's table. It's not second year. There's no way he's played a full year. He hasn't played two full years, but he's he's been up and down from the team for, for the, the last, last two years. Two. All right, so he's played over a hundred career games before this season. Oh, I'm gonna have to. I, I don't have my phone in front of me, I but I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to ask you to check that one. Uh, but no, I think let's let's give Keegan a little time. I think uh, he's a guy that is. I don't know if you've seen some of the hits this guy laid, but big body. I, I like to pick though. Paul Coffert, Cotter. Um, I'll watch a little bit more. My my pick to the pot or my my promise to the pot last week was uh, a little bit out of your realm of, of watch a little bit Vegas Golden Knights hockey. As uh, some of you Star Six Media fans may know, I do a baseball podcast as well. So it's a little World Baseball Classic heavy for me this week. I I owe you guys sixty minutes of Vegas Golden Knights hockey. I'll check out our boy Paul Cotter. And I'm hoping I can convince Ross that maybe there's a little bit more to Keegan Colasar than he's seeing. But, 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 you got the numbers? Yes. Colasar, uh, last season, 77 games played Fuck in the I'm National. Wrong. Season before, 44. So he did have over 100 games coming into this season. You're right. You're right. I'm, I'm, well, I'm, a, I'm a man enough to say you were right and I was wrong. I'm, I got no problem with that. My ego's intact. After being up and down from the AHL and the ECHL. How old is he? The prior is three 20... years, which is some serious termite categorization. He's 25. Still not a termite? Still not a termite? No, I'm not saying he's not, but I'm just saying. It's a table. You, we'll whistle, table. you whistle past the graveyard. Yeah. You whistle past the graveyard. Yeah, that's you went for Colasar because you, you, you played size with the size man. We, we, we're still not playing the termite game. Hey, you, you've seen my hockey game. You've seen me on the ice. You know I'm an awareness guy. I'm an IQ guy. i got to recognize the time and the space and, and know where, where you got to capitalize on it. And the fact is you were in Dublin, and uh, and I had to – I was on the I was on the clock, and, and Keegan was – was the pick? Was the pick? But seriously, seriously, keep an eye out for Paul Cotter. I like it. No, no, no. Um, I want to see where's number forty-three. Um, oh, I've got him up here because I was looking earlier. Uh, they don't show jersey numbers, but I want to say he's number forty-three on Vegas. Um, you know, about the same size as Colasar, mm-hmm. but Colasar looks a hell of a lot bigger. Yeah, um, he's certainly a lot slower. Yes, I, I would agree. That is uh, the woodshed terminator of the week. Ross has uh, has picked Paul Cotter. Cotter, Cotter, Jesus, Jack. Um, Alex is on the clock next week as he returns from the beautiful state of California. Moving on to Saturday's picks, I'm going to ask you to just confirm this for me because I believe Arm Dog's pick was the following 
the Islanders over the Sabres. I believe is a four o'clock Central Time game. Uh, so five Islanders PM. over Sabres. That's right. That's what the arm dog's in. Five p.m. Eastern. He's got the Islanders over the Sabres. We've moved in obviously to the Saturday's picks. I uh, I rushed through it, but the fact is the boys, the boys need some ridicule. The fact is, the first time I believe in Saturday picks history, we did it. We went zero for three. So fade us, you know, like fade us at your own peril. But uh, last week would have been a good one. Especially Rusty's pick. I had the pens. They lost 6-0. <laughs> well, I think it's... The fact is... Keep do you know they were play, that was the second of that week? That they had played earlier in the week? Yes, that's why I picked him. That's, that's why, all I, that's why all, I All the worst. The more the more you know, the less accurate your picks are. That's the general rule of game. Uh, I got you. I got you. So, unfortunately, the boys... I think the parlay moved to 6-8. and eight. I'll have to check the numbers. Obviously, you'll see it on the graphic at the star. Six still, still good figures. Oh, yeah. Still right. positive numbers. No, 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 no question about it. You know what? If you're going to be green. a Bear, be a Grizzly. Like if, yep. we, if we're a bad beat, we go 2-1. and one. Mm-hmm. Hey, if, if we if, lose the one in a shootout, it's just as bad as going 0-3. for three. I'm happy to knock sheet. on. I'm happy to knock on wood, but the fact is, if the boys needed a little humble, a little zero and three to go rattle off a, a heater to the end of the season, I will absolutely take it. And the fact is, because we went zero and three, the records they didn't change very much. Everyone gained a loss, so I moved to twelve and five at first place. Alex eleven and six, and Ross ten and seven. It's a matter of a game that separates each team. Another week, another exciting slate of Saturday picks. Obviously, like we said, Islanders over Sabres. That is the arm dogs pick. Let's take a look. Oof. Tampa, Boston. That's intriguing. Not going to do it. Seattle, Nashville. Seattle taking the winner. Uh, the matinee start. 1 p.m. Central. 2 p.m. Eastern. Seattle coming into Nashville. Dethroning the Predators. Seattle takes it. You go with the crack. Crack attack. It's funny, dude. I, so I'm so used to getting cucked in these because I've been picking third pretty much all year. I had two picks. That was my second of the two. But um, I'm also going matinee. I, I'm re- so I've railed against matinees before and their unreliability. And you know what? Like the NHL's, I think, done a good job now that football's over to mm-hmm. really capitalize on Saturday uh, TV schedules. Especially, I think it's all on ESPN. It's a double header. It's been fun. I'm, I'm, I was telling Jack, I'm praying for rain this Saturday. Like, I just want to lock yeah. in and watch all these games. As the weather has been turning. As spring has arised. Have, has has, has risen. Has risen. He has risen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going with another matinee. A matinee out in, on the West Coast. I actually learned today it's no longer the Staples Center. It is the Crypto.com Arena. You did not learn this today. I remembered it today. I'm picking the Termite LA Kings over those... Winnipeg use Jets. The goddamn Jets. I'm picking Kings over the goddamn Jets. In L.A., at home, matinee, Saturday, 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. All our time zones. All for the people. Oh. Um, riding with the L.A. Kings. Counting on Blake Lazat to have a big termite performance. We're going to keep our eyes on Gavrikov and report back on his performance. Um, and, uh, you know, should be a great day of hockey. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a, it, a slate for the ages. We love what we were, we're seeing for Saturday. I, I agree with you. I hope it's a rainy day. It's a day I don't have to leave the couch because I'm just looking to watch some hockey. And I hope you two are. And all you listeners, we appreciate you guys tuning in. It's been a fantastic episode. Arm Dog, if you're listening, we miss you. We hope to have you back next week. 
But I feel like Ross and I held down the fort okay. I feel like we did all right. We, we had a fun little episode of a little bit of a recap with Ross, a little mailbag intro, some stars, wild, wild card races, and much more. Um, Ross, any final words before we close her down for the night? Just, you know, thoughts and prayers with the arm dog. Safe travels, brother. Um, want you back here as soon as possible. And uh, all healthy and, you know, not in a hospital bed or anything like that. So, <laughs> Knowing he was on the golf course yesterday, <laughs> I think the middle finger's in the air. But, uh, no, the, the fact is we do, we do. I agree with you. I, <laughs> I love it. Uh, go, go follow uh, all Star 6 Media content and all of our social media pages. We're on all of it. Go check out the Instagram page at Star 6 Media. Check out all the boys. One final thought. And don't forget to email us. Yes. Slot, what's, the, what's the email one more time? Slotshotpodcast at gmail.com. Email us your thoughts. We will, we will read every email. Um, and we're expecting at least on email. And we will read <laughs> at them. At least one. We will read at them. Least we, one. Will, we will read them. We will read them. So if, if we get one. I'll, I will make the promise. If it's two Ver- minutes, if it's ten minutes. Verbatim, we will read it. We will We will have it aired next week. You'll get five minutes of airtime. Yep. As I was saying, though, go check out all the Star 6 Media stuff. Follow Ross at Rusty Pajoya. Follow Armdog at Armdog underscore SS. And follow your boy at Man on Twitter. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We're excited for some playoff hockey that's on the horizon. And we'll catch you guys next week.